Christian School Management wants to partner with your Christian school, bringing hope. Since 2017, we have provided advice and counsel to hundreds of Christian schools. Our consultants, books, surveys, and online trustee training are Christian, research-based, and represent over 400 years of experience. Are you struggling? Our mission is to bring prosperity. Are you strong and growing? Our mission is to deepen your leadership and stewardship. Go to Christian School Management and find out more. Entheos is our free advice and counsel letter that is read by over 1,100 Christian school leaders a week. Go to christianschoolmanagement.org and sign up your leadership team. For Jesus, through mission, with students. Let CSM partner with you. The Babyface Pro FS, the last portable interface you'll ever need. Meet the world's most versatile, portable, and expandable audio interface that delivers the best audio quality wherever your creative journey takes you. The second generation of the Babyface Pro improves all elements again. Sound quality, mic pre's, instrument inputs, lowest noise, headphone IEM outs, and ultra-low latency. All RME elements are industry-leading representatives of its kind. Visit rme-usa.com. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, a special guest, Dr. Sam Storms. His two books we're going to go over, Understanding Spiritual Gifts and Understanding Spiritual Warfare, a new territory for us. We've never covered the subject, and welcome to the program. It's good to be with you. I'm glad to be here. Our sponsors, with over 90 years' experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. Real Traps is the premier source for high-performance acoustic treatment, including bass traps, broadband absorbers, and diffusers. Once a room has been properly treated, clarity and articulation of music and speech improve enormously. Whether you're a professional recording engineer, audiophile, or home theater owner who wants the best sound possible, upgrade your entire system with acoustic treatment from Real Traps. Visit Realtraps.com. This is uh, something where... In Christian circles, I'm sure you know that when you talk about spiritual warfare, we'll start with that first, that could seem somewhat unintellectual to people somehow. You don't really believe in that stuff, do you? But the Bible is filled with examples, and there's uh, all you have to do is, you know, of course, read the book of the Revelation. And we're dealing with a spiritual world of it could be angelic and beautiful and good, and also there's evil all around us. Uh, where is the biggest point of contention you get when you talk about this subject with Christians? Well, there are several reasons why Christians are hesitant to talk about it. One is, I think, uh, what I would call our Western worldview, where we have grown up in a technologically sophisticated world where everything can be solved by science. Everything is subjected to mathematical precision. And the idea of appealing to an unseen supernatural being, whether an angel or a demon or God himself, seems a little bit backwards, almost a little medieval, as it were. I think we live also insulated lifestyles. You know, we live 
fairly safe lives here in the United States. We're protected. We have air conditioning and heat, and uh, we don't have to deal with a lot of the challenges that people did in the ancient world. I think also, honestly, I think a lot of Christians recoil at the thought of spiritual warfare and these truths because they've seen some people do it really badly. They've oh, yeah. Now we're fanatics. talking. They've seen fanatics who, who really honestly are manipulative and self-serving and bring reproach on the name of Christ. And they say to themselves, if not consciously, I think unconsciously, well, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be painted with that brush. So I'll just stay away from this topic altogether. Yeah. You mentioned in your book that uh, you talk about they actively engage in, in spiritual conflict. They can be emotionally unstable, theologically illiterate. But my experience is that that has been true. You know, it's focused on on one area only. Do we even realize, even though we're Christians, do we realize really what we're dealing with? The heaviness It was really why I wanted to have you on the program. You know, I've been a Christian for a while, but uh, I don't think I even realize the significance of what is really going around in this world. And I know the Lord says, if you knew, you know, you wouldn't be able to bear it as far as really what's happening in this spiritual realm. How do we help ourselves? The easiest way to do it is just simply by reading our Bibles. Now, I know that sounds simplistic, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but I mean it seriously. We have to read and understand the worldview of Scripture, and it's profoundly supernatural in nature. I mean, when Paul, everybody knows this passage in Ephesians 6, where Paul's saying, look, we're engaged in a war. There's a battle for the uh, allegiance of our souls, but it's not between other human beings and you. It's not human flesh that we war against. He says it's rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So for the apostle Paul to say, look, yes, you, you do have human enemies, but many times they are instruments of a spiritual enemy who's out to destroy your confidence in the goodness of God. Yes. So everywhere we read in Scripture, we have this clear, very supernatural orientation to the nature of reality. You don't see these type of meetings very often where you have people say, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who are going through things in life, you know, if they knew that the church was open to them and they say, look, we're going to pray over all the, you know, bad stuff that you're going through. And we all go through some crazy stuff and we have so much uh, that we're up against, but we have uh, Jesus, you know, we have his Holy Spirit. We're victorious in Christ. If people knew that the church was open to pray for them, uh, for, you know, overcoming uh, demons, overcoming uh, evil and spiritual principalities and so forth, I wonder if it might not be full. I think you are exactly right. One of the, uh, first things that I tell people when I talk about spiritual warfare is how most Christians have a very a vague, if not altogether a negative view of the authority that they have in Christ. And I always direct them back to Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sent out the 72 non-apostles. These are anonymous believers, just average followers of Jesus, no elders, no seminary graduates, no pastors, just average Christians. And they come back rejoicing. They say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And of course, that's biblical language for demonic spirits. Yes. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And I'd say to Christians, you realize that you are seated in the heavenlies with Christ beneath whose feet all principalities and powers have been subjected. So it kind of bothers me when I watch Christians cower in fear mm. when they encounter uh, the enemy or some activity of the demonic as if they need to run and hide or go find somebody they think is more educated and more spiritual than they are. Say, look, 
you're in Christ Jesus, and he is over all. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth, and we are seated with him in the heavenlies. Mm. Sometimes they have these uh, prayer meetings, and they say, well, very kind of dejected. We're going to pray for Ann Ethel's uh, liver. And uh, you would never know that we were on the winning side of things. Have you seen things turn around? Because I know that, you know, you're a well-known name. Dr. Sam Storms, our special guest. What happens when the church becomes healthy in this area and the pastor takes more of a hands-on approach? Um, How bold and how different? Have you seen changes when people begin to lay hold of what they have in Christ? Oh, absolutely. Very passive, pew-sitting, Sunday-only Christians Mm. need to be awakened to the reality of the spiritual war that we face and of the weapons of warfare that have been given to us in Christ. And Paul talks about those in Ephesians 6 and the book of 2 Corinthians chapters 10 and 11. So clearly, Christians need to be alerted and waked up to this. I am amazed at how oftentimes it's the most humble and quiet, unassuming Christian who exercises and wields the greatest authority in the spiritual realm for the simple fact that they're not relying upon their own education or their own power but they're constantly uh, ministering and praying in the in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I think churches are becoming more alert to this as time goes by. I think people are waking up to the fact that real power is spiritual. It's not material. It's not monetary. It's not political. It's spiritual in nature. Mm. And when they realize that, they begin to live lives that are profoundly different from what they've known before. What would you say, Dr. Storms, uh, are the biggest things that uh, that Christians go up against? It seems like um, the parable of the sower in the scriptures that uh, sometimes the world and the cares of the world and all the, you know, choke out. We have so much that is more important in Christ and God's word, but it, it gets choked out. And what would you say the main things that Christians suffer from when it comes to spiritual warfare? I would say probably it's as simple as their personal struggle with temptation. Mm. Um, Satan has, he's very simple, but he's not stupid. You know, Paul talks about his schemes and his strategies. And I think the principal one that he has is to exploit human suffering to undermine our confidence in the goodness of God. It's when we are suffering or those close to us are, or we view it more globally and we think, well, I see all that. I feel that in my own life. There must not be a God. And if there is a God, he's not very good. He's not worthy of my confidence and my trust. And then I think, secondly, it's the issue of temptation. You know, Paul talks in Ephesians 4 about deceitful desire. And I think what he's saying is that the enemy wants to deceive us into believing that sin and the flesh and the devil can do for us what God can't. And so he de- they deceive us with uh, promises of instant gratification, uh, and they'll try to deceive us into thinking that following the way of Christ is defeating, and it's uh, depressing, and there's not much fun in it. And so that's the power of temptation. The power of temptation is in the lie that the enemy can do for us, the world, the flesh, and the devil can do for us what God either can't or won't. And we sin when we believe that lie. We buy into it and we yield ourselves. And I think those are probably the the two greatest struggles. It's the issue of what feels like undeserved suffering, and that challenges our belief in the goodness of God, and the challenge of dealing with temptation where we simply buy into the lie of the enemy that Satan has greater pleasures and joys that he can offer than obedience to God can. Yeah, you've been a pastor for quite some time. Uh, For 48 years, I want people to know, well-known all across the world, actually. And uh, so tell us a little bit about where you've been. 
I, uh, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I uh, went to Dallas Theological Seminary. I got my PhD at the University of Texas at Dallas, which was interesting because I'm a graduate of the University of Oklahoma. So I'm kind of a mixed mutt here, <laughs> Oklahoma and Texas. But I've been pastoring for, as you said, 48 years. I recently stepped down as lead pastor at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. And now, big church. yeah, I lead uh, Enjoying God Ministries, which is my full-time job right now. I speak, I write, uh, do things like we're doing here today. But I've grown a lot over the years and seen a lot in the lives of people and realized, you know, I, I look back with some measure of regret for those first few decades in ministry hmm. where I seem to be operating more on human ingenuity than divine wisdom and more in the power of my own education than in the power of the scriptures. And uh, it takes a lot of experience and you have to learn from your mistakes. But I'm grateful for what the Lord has taught me and for what I've seen him do in the kingdom of Christ. Yeah, that's very humbling for you to say that, um, because I guess the more we know, the more we realize we don't know. <laughs> there's there's so many things uh, out there, and uh, this subject really just struck me. I'm thinking the same thing, that are we really aware of what we're up against, what's out there in the spiritual realm, and how to deal with it? And by the way, if you like what you're hearing, you can go to samstorms.org, okay? And we're covering some books. Uh, we're going to go over maybe how to overcome and be victorious uh, with regard to spiritual warfare. Two books, Understanding Spiritual Gifts, Understanding Spiritual Warfare, A Comprehensive Guide. We'll be right back with Dr. Sam Storms after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Real Traps is the premier source for high-performance acoustic treatment, including bass traps, broadband absorbers, and diffusers. Once a room has been properly treated, clarity and articulation of music and speech improve enormously. Our clients include famous mixing and mastering engineers, corporations, and even a research lab at MIT. Whether you're a professional recording engineer, audiophile, or home theater owner who wants the best sound possible, upgrade your entire system with acoustic treatment from Realtraps. Visit Realtraps.com. Okay, we're back with Dr. Sam Storms, and uh, I think the subject is really interesting, spiritual warfare. And uh, there's a lot of pushback on that because, you know, that's difficult to handle and cover. And I don't even remember the last time I heard a sermon on this subject. So here you are. How can we overcome? What are some examples that we could do? You know about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Do we even know what to do with this? Well, sadly, a lot of Christians don't. Puts me in memory of a conversation I had with a, a relative who's now with the Lord. He was a very academically minded, intellectually driven, successful businessman who had connections in the, the larger world, certainly more connections than I could ever know, political and economic. And he was actually offended when he heard that I believed that there was a real devil. Hmm. Um, it was like, how can you believe that? That's, don't, you, don't you know that's going to put you on the outside looking in uh, in terms of academic respectability? And I said, well, you know, I really don't care. I said, why is it so hard to believe in, in a real Satan? You do believe in a real God. He said, well, yeah. And you believe he created human beings and angels, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, why is it so hard to believe that some of those angels sin just like human beings have and are engaging in warfare with uh, Christian men and women? 
So, you know, one of the things that I think is so helpful for Christians to remember is something that I believe I read in one of Neil Anderson's books. He said, spiritual warfare is not a tug of war on a horizontal plane. You know what? Everybody knows what a tug of war is. You have two individuals or two teams who are basically equal. They're standing on the same level, power and authority, and they're pulling back and forth against each other. He said, spiritual warfare is a vertical chain of command. In other words, it's not as if we are on the same level with Satan and demons, and it's just who can be the strongest. Satan is beneath us because he's beneath Christ. And spiritual warfare is an issue not of pulling and tugging and hoping that you can win the battle. It's an issue of command and of authority in the name of Christ. And I think it's a very helpful image. And I just want to remind Christians that Satan is under your feet, not because of who you are, but because of who you are in Christ Jesus, who has defeated him in his cross and resurrection. And so if Christians will think of that, uh, hopefully they won't shy away or run for cover anytime they encounter a demonic manifestation. I know that we got to keep the coffee going here and uh, make people feel comfortable because it's important. I kid, you think people would be surprised to find out just how real the spiritual realm is and then some of the things they've incurred in life. And can you give just some examples of your life where, you know, there has been some real spiritual warfare and uh, how you've encountered that and even been surprised that, uh, you know, even though we know we're living in this realm, what you were up against. Yeah, I'll give you one example. It was uh, quite a few years ago. We were hosting a conference in our church, and um, I was informed that there was a lady at the back of the auditorium who seemed to be engaging in some sort of uh, demonic worship and chanting incantations and Mm. whatever. So I went back there. Sure enough, there she was. She'd created a little altar that she was kind of dancing around. And I thought, well, I think I'll just leave this alone. So I walked away. About five minutes later, this lady comes walking toward me. And I know it sounds strange to people when they hear this. This is the first time this had ever happened to me. She got about six or seven feet away from me. And I suddenly felt this wave of, the only way I know how to describe it is that like it was liquid air, this force, this energy of darkness that just engulfed me. Wow. And I became nauseated. I thought I was going to throw up. Mm. My thoughts were jumbled. I couldn't put a coherent sentence together. Fortunately, um, a friend there pulled me away, and the farther I moved away from this lady, my composure returned. And it was kind of shocking to me, and I I kind of said, Lord, why would you allow that to happen? Mm. And it was like the Lord said, because you have taken for granted the armor of God instead of consciously and daily adorning yourself with the tools and the resources I've given you. Now, the good news about this was, about three days later, we were in a prayer meeting on a Monday morning at our church, and this lady returned. And again, I know this sounds strange to people who are listening, but she walked into the prayer room and this most horrendous stench just filled the prayer room. I'm not talking about body odor. I'm talking about a demonic stench. It was just horrific. We pulled her aside, took her into one of the offices, and we led her to Christ and cast out some demons. And that woman became very faithful and effective in the children's ministry of the church. And it's just an example of the tendency for most believers would be in that first encounter just to to run for cover, just to say, just consign this woman to the enemy and leave instead of addressing her need for the salvation that is found in Christ and the new life that comes through faith in him. And uh, we did that. And by God's grace, we saw a magnificent transformation in her life. I've had a couple of other instances since then where I have this overwhelming awareness of a demonic presence. I Mm -hmm. think this is really what uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 
when he mentions the discerning of spirits, this intuitive spiritual consciousness that you're dealing with something beyond the ordinary, beyond the realm of humanity. You're dealing with a supernatural being. And that's happened on several occasions in my life. I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, you know, we go through things every day that we can't explain. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, this, you know, theological knowledge and understanding and application is getting me so far. And I'm thinking, well, I know that I'm up against and Other Christians know that things that are far bigger, far greater than I can put my head around. And I'm thinking, I really want to be able to understand, of course, your book, Understanding Spiritual Warfare, A Comprehensive Guide, Dr. Sam Storms. And, and what will people learn from your book in, in a nutshell? Well, I think one thing is just awakening them to the reality of the supernatural realm. Again, like I said, so many Christians, I'm not deriding them or being critical. I'm just talking reality. So many Christians who really do love the Lord and they believe the Bible and they're faithful to their local churches, but they kind of go through life without ever thinking about the battle that is raging around them or the mm. battle that is raging around a coworker in the cubicle next to them or the office next to them or a fellow student at school. The book is designed to do a lot of things. One is to awaken us to the reality of the supernatural. Secondly, to awaken us to the authority that we have in Christ. And then third, to give us some practical steps for helping people get free of the demonic influence that they might be laboring under. And so I devote several chapters to uh, the kinds of prayer that you can engage in. I talk about what I call open doors uh, to demonic oppression. There are certain things that we do or fail to do that can uh, give access into our lives of the enemy. I mean, think of Ephesians 4 where Paul is talking about um, unjustified anger and, and the lack of forgiveness. And he says, mm. you need to not let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the devil a foothold in your life. That's fascinating. I mean, just one sin like that, if it's not addressed, can potentially open the door to a demonic attack. And Paul said, you need to be alert to this. So I hope the book is encouraging because it gives Christians resources for engaging in this battle in a way that is thoroughly biblical, and hopefully it makes sense as, as they work their way through it. And this is an insight we desperately need because the times are, are getting weird today. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, it really, people are saying, is this the end? I mean, because uh, even people that may not even be uh, biblically minded, they think something's going on and, and uh, things are getting worse. So uh, we need all this uh, understanding, again, and no pun intended, understanding of spiritual warfare a comprehensive guide. It's almost unfair to, to switch over to the other book of yours because I'm enjoying <laughs> this conversation so much. But if we have time, let's see if we can cover this. Your other book is called Understanding Spiritual Gifts. And so we know that we've been given supernatural spiritual gifts to accomplish things uh, in the church and people will see power who are in the body of Christ, but also people out there that uh, we have something. And so could you address some of the spiritual gifts? It's not just the pastor uh, that speaks right on Sunday. Exactly. That's one great thing about spiritual gifts is the New Testament makes it very clear that every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And I oftentimes point people to um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. There Paul says that to each is given. That's each and every one of you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're not excluded. To each is given what he calls the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So a spiritual gift, it's not like a, what you experienced, what, a month ago on Christmas morning when somebody handed you a nicely wrapped package. It's not a thing 
A spiritual gift is the Holy Spirit himself manifesting or disclosing or unveiling his presence and power through you. And he says it's for the common good. It's designed to build up the body of Christ. And then, of course, he lists nine gifts in the immediately following verses. At the end of chapter 12, he lists several other gifts. Uh, several are mentioned in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, uh, Ephesians 4, 11, uh, 1 Peter 4. So spiritual gifts are the Holy Spirit himself working in and through average Christians in a variety of different ways to enable them to build up or edify or strengthen and encourage other believers in their walk with Christ. So I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who are as ignorant of spiritual gifts as they are of spiritual warfare. We need to understand the resources. I mean, try to imagine for a moment, let's say I'm going to want to remodel my home. And so I go out and hire a contractor and he sends over his workers and they walk in with nothing but a hammer and a screwdriver. Well, this is a massive job. I, I say, you, you sure, surely you don't think you're going to remodel my home with just a screwdriver and a hammer. You have to have multiple tools and resources. Well, that's sort of the way Christians are today. We walk into church or into a small group or somewhere, and we don't bring all the resources and the tools that God has given to us. So it's hard to envision how we can build the kingdom of Christ and how we can bless other people if all we show up with is a hammer and a screwdriver. And we need to come with all of the tools, all of the resources, the gifts that the Spirit of God has granted us that we can be a blessing to others. Yes, this is a real participatory nature, isn't it? I mean, when you look at the book of Acts, something's going on in here. That sounds like the old time evangelism, that there's activity. And uh, and it was exciting even when you look at that. And so uh, you as a pastor, had you gone through a period where, you know, it's this is not just about the sermons, but about building up the body of Christ and and getting to know all the spiritual gifts? Can the church do this? Yes. The answer to your question is yes. For about the first 15 years of my 48 years as a pastor, I didn't believe in spiritual gifts. Well, I believed in teaching and exhortation and giving, but the more overtly supernatural gifts, I thought had died out in the first century. And then I undertook a very challenging and even dangerous thing. I actually read my Bible. <laughs> and Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. I actually opened the Bible to see if the arguments I'd been given in seminary were really there, and they weren't. And so there was a massive shift in the focus of my ministry in the late 1980s up until the present day. And now I believe very strongly in the legitimacy of all these gifts in the present day, and we desperately need them. I mean, again, it, it seems to me rather naive to think that we can accomplish anything of value in the kingdom of Christ if we don't avail ourselves of the resources and the power and the tools that God has given us through his spirit. So I do think that these are vitally important uh, in the life of a Christian. Yes. And if you're a Christian and you're listening right now, and hopefully they are, uh, who uh, need to find out where they can serve and how they can serve, I don't think they even know what some of the spiritual gifts are. So what are some of them? Sure. Well, in my book, I actually list about 21 that I think we see in Scripture. Things like prophecy and faith and serving, and teaching, and exhortation, and giving, and leading, and a gift of mercy. Uh, now, again, all Christians are to be merciful. All Christians are to serve and exhort others, but the Spirit equips certain Christians according to His will, and that's important to remember. Let me just interject this. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, every spiritual gift is determined by the will of God the Holy Spirit, not you and me. 
we can pray for a gift, but we have to submit to the sovereign purpose of God. He decides who gets what gift. And then there are more uh, gifts like uh, word of knowledge and healing and tongues and interpretation, discerning of spirits. For example, let's take uh, Ephesians 4.11 talks about the gift of evangelism. Well, all Christians are supposed to share their faith, but we all are to evangelize in, in whatever context we may find ourselves. But there are some who just are extraordinarily energized and gifted, and you see them engaging with non-believers, and they're very effective in sharing their faith, and they lead a lot of people to Christ. I mean, Billy Graham obviously had the gift of evangelism. For sure. Uh, not all of us have it, but all of us are to share our faith. Take the gift of mercy. We are all to be merciful, but my wife, for example, has the gift of mercy. She just simply bleeds for people, and she uh, immediately sees a need, and she'll rush in and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to help them through the problem they're dealing with. Here's an interesting one. The New Testament doesn't explicitly mention the spiritual gift of intercession, and I think there are probably some spiritual gifts that aren't explicitly mentioned in the Bible, and that's one of them. So, for example, all of us are to pray. I mean, we all know that. But I've known people, that's almost the only thing they want to do. <laughs> you can't pull them out of the prayer closet. They are on their knees interceding, and they see remarkable answers to prayers. And it may be that God has uniquely empowered them in that way. All of us are to serve, but not everybody serves with the zeal and the energy that others do. All of us are to exhort one another. My my father is now with the Lord. Um, he had the gift of encouragement. People used to call him Barnabas because that means son of encouragement. That's right. But all of us are to encourage one another, but some just have that extraordinary capacity to do it well. That's what a spiritual gift is. And the book was written to answer all those questions. I, I respond to objections to the idea that gifts are for today. And I give a chapter devoted to almost every one of these gifts and give examples of how they are to be uh, practiced in the life of the local church. And by the way, I, I can just anticipate what your listeners are asking right now, and they wish they could say it to me. How can I find out what my spiritual gift is? Good question. <laughs> that's, that's probably the number one question I am asked. Now, some people like to take what are called spiritual gift inventory tests. My wife just loves them. I'm not a big fan, but there's nothing wrong with them where you answer questions and it helps identify what your gifting may or may not be. My answer to that question is this. Let's be more practical. Instead of kind of gazing in upon our navel and getting in an introspective mindset and searching our soul to try to find out our spiritual gift, open your eyes and look around and identify a need. You see somebody who's hurting physically, go over and lay hands on them and pray for them. You know somebody who's struggling financially, pull out your checkbook mm. and help pay their bills. You know a widow in the church who can't take care of her house, go over and mow the grass and clean out her garage. My point is this, if we would just look outward and identify needs in the body of Christ and then step into it to serve, I think our spiritual gift will meet us. I think we will discover in the act of giving ourselves to others a unique supernatural capacity that's one of the gifts of the Spirit that will help us bless other people. You find somebody, a friend who's in depression or they're discouraged, and you sit down with them and you pray for them and you speak words of encouragement. And you didn't do that because you said to yourself, well, I've got the gift of encouragement, so I'll bless this individual. More than likely, you're just, oh, I really care about them. And you speak words that the Spirit of God uses to enrich their lives. So my point is this, instead of being real introspective and digging around inside your soul to try and find out what your gift is, 
Take your eyes off yourself, mm. put them on other people, identify a need and go meet it. And I promise you, the spirit of God will meet you in the midst of your willingness to serve. And you'll discover spiritual gifts that you never thought you had. You deserve an amen, Dr. Storms. Praise God. That was worth the price of admission of having you on right there. It was what you just said, beautiful. And I want people to get your books as well. Uh, Dr. Storms, our special guest, Understanding Spiritual Gifts, and his other book, of course, Understanding Spiritual Warfare. It's a comprehensive guide. I would love to see it more of a participatory nature within the church, because it, it seems a little top-heavy. Uh, you as a yeah. pastor, you can ad admit to that if you like, that um, you know it, it takes the whole body. But I, I never hear people talking about this, how if we go out in unity that way, it's usually just a few people who have charismatic or have some sort of personality or certain things that you see. But uh, to get involved in a team sport, how great that would be. I would love to see what... You know, you just said in action. Absolutely. In fact, this is one of the most important things for people to remember. And I, I really encourage pastors to keep this in mind. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not like one guy gets to play and the rest of the people just get to sit on the sidelines and cheer and see who's doing well. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to mobilize the entire body of Christ. I have remember a man who used to say, when it comes to the Christian life, everybody gets to play. There's no second team, there's no junior squad, there's no minor league. All of us have been gifted by the same spirit for the same purpose of building up the body of Christ and, and exalting Jesus. I want people to get your books, Dr. Storms, uh, and go to your website as well, samstorms.org. His two books, you gotta get them, they're wonderful. Understanding Spiritual Gifts and Understanding Spiritual Warfare, a comprehensive guide. You'll learn a lot and you'll grow. We appreciate you having on the program, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a real blessing. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit North Dash America. America.bayerdynamic.com. Real Traps is the premier source for high-performance acoustic treatment, including bass traps, broadband absorbers, and diffusers. Once a room has been properly treated, clarity and articulation of music and speech improve enormously. Whether you're a professional recording engineer, audiophile, or home theater owner who wants the best sound possible, upgrade your entire system with acoustic treatment from Real Traps. Visit realtraps.com.